Christmas was not kind to my to my eating habits. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we are discussing chapter 13 of Royal Assassin, Hunting. The beginning part of this one goes over, once again, uh, the differences in how Galen trained uh, skill users compared to Solicity. Mm -hmm. Basically saying that he beat them down and then once, you know, they were reduced to a level of cowering survival... The student was susceptible to Galen's invasion of his mind and his enforced acceptance of Galen's skilling techniques. Apparently, he congratulated himself for making uh, reliable skill users with the little talent he was given, but some people have suggested that maybe he ground down strong and powerful skill users into... You know, adequate tools. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, Solicity lulled them and used gentle means, and it produced both Verity and Chivalry, who were very strong and also reliable users. It also talks a little bit about how Solicity died before finishing the instruction, the adult instruction for Verity and Chivalry. Um, and also that when Galen was given the official position of Skillmaster, he had not finished his journeyman status. Right. Um, so it, it kind of talks about how there is probably technique and skill lost that went with Solicity to her grave that we'll probably never know and people won't ever find again, which I don't think is necessarily true. I think it's a little bit of the burning of the Library of Alexandria where... It's lost, but people will find it eventually, I'm sure, <laughs> the right. information. Yeah. But I thought it was really interesting that she died at such an interesting plot. This is this is a little bit of tinfoil hat theory. <laughs> um, because when she dies, she doesn't get to finish either of the like skill trainings that she has set up with the princes and with Galen. And we know that she did not think Galen was worthy of replacing her. Right. So I kind of wonder if she really died of natural causes. I mean, we know she was getting old and probably coming to the end of her years. That is why she was training somebody to begin with. Um, but also, Galen is the son of a very vindictive queen. <laughs> True. Who would do anything to make sure her sons get ahead in life. So potentially, in my tinfoil hat theory, Desire killed Solicity so that her son could be Skillmaster quicker and also maintain Skillmaster status because he was looking at getting booted. Yeah, that's definitely true. We know that Solicity was older, mm -hmm. even for a skill user. But we don't know, like, her exact cause of death or anything, so interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying because Kettle, later, in later books, she knows how to prolong life, which presumably 
presumably Solicity also has the knowledge of and could do until she found somebody to replace her. I don't know It's if it's in perpetuity, like if they could prolong life forever. Well, not forever, but I don't think Solicity is like as old as Kettle, say. Mm, yeah, Kettle's maybe. like almost a thousand years old or something no no no, no. she was just like, a couple hundred yeah she was like a couple hundred i don't know i just a thought that i had yeah. it's not necessarily real but just a fun <laughs> a fun thought i had while reading that i thought i would share yeah could definitely have happened so we get a little intro of fitz chivalry waking up and preparing to go hunting because he spent the night with Molly, went back to his room, and has promised her that, and himself that he was going to go hunting, take care of the Forged Ones, and then immediately go to the king, say, I'm done with this, can I marry Molly? Yes. That was like his promise to Molly and, and what he said that he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And so he... Is I mean that's first and foremost in his mind. He's kind of focusing on Molly. <laughs> how empty everything seems without her there, and just how wow, my life really did suck before her. I'm gonna throw it all away. <laughs> yep. So he is heading toward Verity's tower because Verity told him to go there in the morning, and uh, he's hoping to instead of getting instruction, the skill, hoping to convince Verity to let him go hunting for the day, and that will be the end of that. Right. Which, I know teenage hormones are really strong and all, but, like, are they that strong that he no longer (laughs) has any desire to learn this really cool magic power? Like, I feel like, (laughs) of the two, I'd be way more interested in the secret magic power that I could potentially use. But maybe not. I don't know. I'm not in this position. It, I mean, it does beg the question. It brings, it brings to mind what Fitz is going through and why he chooses this. Mm-hmm. Because in his mind, he can't have both. He can't have Molly and this other way because there's too much right. lying or whatever. And also, this is like the first person that he can be himself around, even though he it's not know, cuts off right yeah. 80% of his life from her. But in his mind, that's the only, you know... Right. She's the the one that he can escape to. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess trying to ignore the skill and saying, like, I'm not going to be an assassin anymore and we can just get married is his way of, like, maybe I can just cut and run. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, yeah. So he goes and knocks on Verity's door. Verity has him enter, even though he doesn't, you know, call it out loud. Fitz just feels that permission to enter and... Mm -hmm. Verity is skilling the whole time. And he kind of wraps Fitz up and drags him along with him where Fit, where Verity was going. Yeah. And he's just, you know, visiting some random people, honestly. He's down by the docks somewhere. Yeah, he's uh, listening to merchants, haggle prices, and um, some of the shipwrights worry about their loved ones. Um, so it's just a lot of people talking, um, and thinking, mostly thinking. I think he's, it's mostly in other people's minds that he's going to, is what it seems like. Um, although I've always pictured it as kind of like bird's eye view of an area. 
I don't know why. I guess I just assumed it'd be like if he was a bird <laughs> sitting in an area just watching all the people and like. I picture it like that too. But through this read through, I noticed that he talks about how he can only hear the thoughts of certain people. And it touches a little bit about how some people aren't affected by skill at all. But through that, it made me wonder if he's going through their eyes and like living a brief moment in each person's life, which would be a little bit different than bird's eye view. So I just thought that was like an interesting picture to paint. Yeah, I don't know. It says like they brush the thoughts of a merchant captain captain, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Uh, and then skipped from him to a net mender, patching hastily her fid flying, grumbling to herself as the captain railed at her to be faster about her task. So I, I it doesn't really describe a full scene. It just kind of is jumping from one to the next. So mm-hmm. it's hard to tell whether you're third person or inside someone's head i always pictured it as third person too a bird's yeah. eye view with their thoughts like you're, you'd be able to pick through their thoughts at the like same time like they had time. a thought bubble above their head basically <laughs> yeah i don't know that's how i pictured it at least but yeah i don't know but then i don't know i don't know how skill works so <laughs> right i don't know how you would see i feel far away from i feel like being inside someone's head it takes a lot more effort and more of a connection Mm -hmm. and would be more noticeable or you'd have to spend a lot more effort to do it. So I feel like it would just be the stuff that's right on the tip of the head. Yeah. And then like when Verity is turning the red ship captains to the storm or Mm -hmm. like navigating them away from everything, then it's a lot more focused effort of like, Diving into their head a little bit more and directing Uh their thoughts. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I guess I just don't understand how he's viewing things. Yeah. Um, And this kind of made me question if it's bird's eye view or through the eyes of his people. (laughs) Well, they saw a dozen or more people and they and Verity brought them back to their bodies then. And Fitz says... I felt as giddy as a small boy who had been boosted aloft by his father to perceive the whole chaos of the fair before being returned to his own feet and his child's view of knees and legs. thought that was a little cute little line of just, this is what everybody could be seeing when you like grow up and then you return to a base thing and you can only see what's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. But he also says that, He understands why Verity loves his maps. And this is what we were talking about last week. Yes. Uh, How Verity probably has flown over all these places and visited them in real life, but flown over them in the skill and seen these little areas that nobody goes to. But Fitz also gets an insight into why he loves the maps, because it's not just the geographic lines. It's all the people. Mm-hmm. And that Fitz is gaining an appreciation for what Verity feels, that, that love for the six duchies, the people, and how could anybody harm any of these people because right. they're his. Right. Which I find super interesting because I feel as though we do see a little bit of patriotism, I guess is what I would call it, from Fitz here and there. I mean, he is the king's man. He does whatever the king asks of him, whether that's killing people or just, you know, giving them diuretics. It like 
he doesn't seem to have a problem helping the greater good. Um, but I don't think we see very often him taking into consideration who the greater good is affecting and thinking of the people right. as his people and people he wants to protect. So I found it really interesting that this chapter is kind of heavy handed on it, especially coming from the last chapter where he's so alone and there's nobody that understands him and he has nothing and there's an emptiness. And then we come into this chapter and it's like, whoa, the people of the duchies are so important to me now. And so I was wondering if that kind of drastic change, is it drastic? Number one, but number two, is this due to him sharing so much space with Verity's mind? Is it really his thoughts or is this something that's kind of rubbing? Not that I'm saying that Verity is, you know, forcing Fitz to feel <laughs> this way about the people, but maybe it's like an unintended side effect of being so close to someone and sharing minds in a way. Right. I don't know. It could be a little bit of both where Fitz is kind of realizing mm -hmm. this slowly and having that opportunity does open his mind more, but I mean, Verity does sweep him along in that and that is what Verity feels. So yeah. it could, could be a little bit of, you know, Verity influencing him, but Fitz reaching the rest of the way and yeah, agreeing. I mean, I just came to this conclusion, especially because he's coming here today to cut everything off. So it seemed odd to finally have the realization that the people are important and then still be like, well, okay. Well, he does still want to serve. I guess I, I didn't mention that specifically when I was talking about it before. He he just doesn't want to be an assassin. He still wants to serve the king. Right. Well, he wouldn't mind, but yeah. I don't see how that's possible without <laughs> being in the position he's in. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too pessimistic. <laughs> so Verity kind of understands what he wants to do today because he swept through his mind with the skill and Fitz is all decked out in, you know, his knife and his old sword, his training sword and everything. And he's like, well, here, have this sword instead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is the reward for saving Ketrakin all those chapters ago from mm -hmm. the forged ones where she had killed, you know, the majority anyways. And Fitz is like, well, I don't want anything. But Verity's like, well, I have to get you something, unfortunately. So <laughs> how about a sword? <laughs> So this is a very beautifully crafted sword, wonderfully balanced, perfectly sharp, mm -hmm. very beautiful, and Verity's like, have it now, because if you don't have it, maybe you won't come back. Mm -hmm. uh, but I might have to take it from you and like present it to you formally or something. Yeah. Just so you know, I, I might ask to borrow it, <laughs> just to hand it back. And Fitz makes a little remark that maybe I should, you know, swear on it or something. Yeah, he says he feels like he has to swear his loyalty to Verity on the sword. Um, which Verity is a little amused by, probably because he knows that Fitz is about to try to cut off ties with everything. Maybe. Um, but he seems I'll, surprised about that later, so I don't know. I guess, I don't know. But he smiles a little bit and says, you know, maybe Regal would ask you to do that, but you've already sworn your life to me, so I don't see how I could ask more than that. I don't need any more. Yeah. Um, which 
you know, makes Fitz feel a little guilty because <laughs> he is like, well, I did say that, but I don't know that I want to give you my life anymore. <laughs> so he says, Verity, my prince, I go forth today to serve you as an assassin. Even Verity was taken aback. Direct words, he mused guardedly. It is time for direct words, I think. That is how I serve you today, but my heart has grown weary of it. I have sworn my life to you, as you say, and if you command it, so must I continue. But I ask that you find me another way to serve you. Verity was silent for what seemed a long time. He rested his chin on his fingers and sighed. Were it only I you were sworn to, perhaps I could answer swiftly and simply. But I'm only king in waiting, and the request must be made of your king, as must your request to wed. The silence in the room now grew very wide and deep, making a distance between us. I could not break it. It's just like, uh-oh. <laughs> he knows. And Verity does say, if you neglect to enclose your mind, you cannot blame others for what you divulge. Yeah. Which I, is a good, important thing, because Fitz is getting a little upset that... And reminds him that, like, Fitz, I showed you how to do this. Yes. Like, you gotta do this. <laughs> uh-huh. Remember remember when you were having those sexy time dreams, and I said, hey, <laughs> everybody can hear those. Maybe stop that. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> so, I think it's fair. And Verity's handling this pretty well, considering. Yeah. He didn't even bring it up this time, so... You know, baby steps. <laughs> Fitz is wondering, you know, how much Verity knows. And Verity's like, well, I know as little as possible. I assure you that. I'm not used to blocking out other people's thoughts, but, you know, I did not seek to be privy to this. Yeah. To what happened, but I, I blocked it out as best as I could. Mm-hmm. Which also, I feel a little bit bad for Fitz because. The whole castle knows. <laughs> well, not the whole castle, because not everybody's skill trained. But that means that Galen's coterie for sure know, which means Regal knows. Well, they don't know if it was Fitz, because right. Verity said before, it's hard to tell like your thoughts unless you've actually connected. Right. Or, But they probably had a sense of like, whoa, something's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel a little bad for him. <laughs> Because I feel like that would be super embarrassing to be like, oh, I basically just broadcasted that whole thing to the entire anyone who could listen. (laughs) Yeah. It was not just that my own privacy had been so badly betrayed, but Molly. How was I ever to explain this to Molly? I could not imagine. Nor could I tolerate the idea of yet another silence masking an unspoken lie between us. (laughs) Mm hmm. That happens frequently. Yep. But Verity, he says Verity was true to his name. The carelessness had been mine. Verity was speaking fairly quietly. Truth to tell, I envy you, boy. Were it my choice, you should be wed today. And then he goes on and saying, like, I, it's not really my choice. When I'm king, you know, you're free to marry whoever you want. Mm-hmm. I will not do to you what was done to me. I think then that I grasped all that had been taken from Verity. It was one thing to sympathize with a man whose wife was chosen for him, 
It is another to come from the bed of one's beloved and suddenly realize that a man you care for will never know the fullness of what I had experienced with Molly. How bitter must it have been to glimpse what Molly and I shared and what he must be forever denied. Which, okay, Fitz. <laughs> never is a strong word, first of all. And second of all, it probably wouldn't be that different. <laughs> Well, I think mainly what he means is that... The emotional connection. It, yeah, he was free to choose someone that... And they both mutually loved each other. Right, And came right. together in that. It wasn't assigned. Even though Ketrickin and Verity, Verity come to love one another, mm-hmm. it's not like you can have... It's right. not like they chose each other. You right. Know? They just have to make best of the situation. Yeah. But I mean, I just felt it was a little dramatic to act as though oh you think wow, this was being dramatic <laughs> fair enough <laughs> just like oh my uncle's never gonna know love that's so sad <laughs> like okay Fitz <laughs> but you know I guess it's a farcier trait to be a little over dramatic <laughs> yeah just a little but Verity kind of offers up a little little thing to his previous question um there might be something else that you could possibly do you might not have the time to function as a diplomat meaning assassin (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you were given other duties duties more valuable to us and then he goes on to explain that verity even though he got his wish to build these warships Mm -hmm. he cannot have his very very innermost deepest wish granted because he can't go out on the ships themselves he can't fight he can't kill cleanly blood for blood and rather Mm -hmm. has to sneak around and use the skill and everything to direct these ships and he understands that it's smart because he can oversee all these ships he can plan and direct them where they need to go more damage can be done with him yeah overseeing the procedures he understands that however that means there needs to be somebody on the ship's to receive his instructions mm-hmm. directly and who can relay that information or gather information and send it back to him. Because even though he can influence people's minds, why do that of your own ships if you can have somebody relaying right. that information? So he's basically right. saying, have you thought of sailing fits? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because then you can fight in my place and I can pass along information to you. Yeah, which is giving him an out. And I think this is a little bit of what his son and Ketrickin later strongly believe is the getting rid of and phasing out of the assassin role. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not quite sure if that's because Verity himself doesn't care for assassins as a whole because Ketrickin and Dutiful, Dutiful seem to hate the sneakiness of it. Yeah. Which kind of mirrors Verity's thoughts on using the skill <laughs> to <laughs> defeat the red ships. But I wonder if Verity is more like, well, this is my nephew, someone I'm related to. I would rather not use him as an assassin. I'll just find somebody else. Or if, it's more of a moment of, yeah, maybe we don't need assassins. That's the old way of doing things. I wish we could do everything out in the open, the way Dutiful is so strongly about it. I think that Verity isn't quite open, like, hey, we need to get rid of these, because, I mean, he knows Chade. He's grown up around this. Mm-hmm. 
maybe he's that stepping stone kind of thing of like right. I don't want to put Fitz into this. Like I love Fitz. I don't want to put him into that danger or mm-hmm. if he hates doing this, whatever. But I can definitely see Dutiful and Ketrikin being like this is sneaky. We don't need this. And Fitz is a cool guy and we don't want him doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Verity, I think he would find another person. Yeah. And I guess Dutiful isn't really growing up with an active assassin. Right. Like, you know, like Chade was when he was younger. Rosemary, technically. I suppose, yeah. But I don't know. I guess it's different because there's no king pulling the strings. It's kind of Chade doing right. what he thinks is best for the country, which would be a little bit different than seeing your father or mother direct the assassins directly. And like, oh, it's just another tool we use, you know, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I just found that interesting because he's very willing to be like, yeah, okay, you don't have to do that anymore. We just have to find something else for you to do. And his son ends up mirroring that too. Mm -hmm. So. Interesting thought. Mm -hmm. With that offer, though, to Fitz of riding the ships, that requires... Fits to host Verity in his mind. And Verity offers, and tells Fitz or asks him if they could start today on his hunt. And Fitz doesn't quite un- still understand what's going on with that and what that fully means, but he says, like, yeah, and then kind of expects Verity to suit up to go riding and hunting. <laughs> right. But Verity just kind of reaches out and starts filling up his mind. Mm hmm occupying his mind says that as his presence flowed into me it was instinct to struggle against him this was not like other times when he had shuffled through my thoughts as a man sorts scattered papers on a desk this was a true occupation of my mind i had not been so invaded since galen had brutalized me i tried to jerk free of his grip but it was like iron on my wrist everything paused you have to trust me do you? I stood sweating and shuddering like a horse with a snake in its stall. I don't know. Think about it, he bade me. He withdrew a trifle. Fitz is really having like a PTSD moment here mm-hmm. because he does trust Verity right. with his life. But at the same time, he was so violated when right. he was going through this for the first time and it's definitely left a lot of scarring right and it thrust up those huge walls that he has that block him from skilling a lot of yeah. the time yeah no and i think that's the reason why verity doesn't seem to take offense and also takes a step back number one because forcing fits to do this will not be successful but number two, because I'm sure he can feel the thoughts of yeah. this is just like Galen, this is and the fear and knows that it's not necessarily anything he's doing. It's just so similar to what happened before that it's reminding him of a bad memory. And so I really respect Verity for taking a step back and saying, Hey, we'll go at your pace. Just tell me when you're ready. And not being hurt that his assassin is like, I don't know if I trust you. <laughs> Consent is important, everyone. Yes. (laughs) So Fitz is thinking in his in his mind right now before this this fully completes. And he's like, there's a lot of things that I don't really want Verity to know. He will know everything. 
if I'm thinking about them. So he has a quick conversation with Night Eyes. And he says, Our bond is a secret. I must keep it so. Today, then, I must hunt alone. Do you understand? No, it is stupid and dangerous. I shall be there, but you may trust me to be unseen and unknowable. What did you do just then? It was Verdi, speaking aloud. His hand was on my wrist. I looked down into his eyes. There was no harshness to his question. He asked it as, as I might ask it of a small child found carving on a woodwork. I stood frozen inside myself. I longed to unburden myself, to have one person in the world who knew all about me, everything that I was. You already do, Night Eyes objected. It was true, and I could not endanger him. You must trust me also, I found myself saying to my king-in-waiting. And when he remained looking up at me considering, consideringly, I asked, My prince, do you? Yes. With one word, he gave me his trust, and with it his confidence that whatever I had been doing would not bring him harm. It sounds a simple thing, but for a king-in-waiting to permit his own assassin to keep secrets from him was a staggering act. The love I had always felt for him suddenly knew no bounds. How could I not trust him? He smiled sheepishly. You can skill when you've the heart to. With no more than that, he entered my mind again. And that is an incredible amount of trust that Verity puts in to fit chivalry there. Right. <laughs> because I know they're related, and I know Verity has been inside Fitz's mind, but not fully occupying it like this, ever. Mm -hmm. And also, in this moment, he knows Fitz is hiding something from him. Right. But he still has the whole trust to say, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. At first, I was wondering if he assumes that the secret is Molly's identity. Um, because that would be a simple conclusion to draw. He knows That's that true. they spent the night together and he's really worried about her safety and her identity being kept secret. Somebody think so nobody thinks less of her. Um, but then right before this, he can tell Fitz is doing something with the wit. He doesn't know what it is and we don't know what that looks like on his end what changes but he can sense something happening yeah and so then i'm less likely to believe that he's just assuming it's molly's identity and that he maybe knows fitz is witted and he knows that the secret is he has a wit companion and knows why fitz can't tell him and that's why he's accepting it yeah but i don't know i i lean more towards the Verity knowing that or suspecting that he has the wit or some other sort of thing helping him out. But, yeah, I don't know. But he also, Verity also says, you can skill when you've heart to. After Fitz is thinking, you know, oh my gosh, this act of trust, like how can I not trust him? How can I not love him? Mm -hmm. It's... It's interesting that Verity, to me, that Verity mentioned that you can skill there because obviously Fitz did skill as he was thinking that without meaning to. Yeah. And it was powerful enough to affect Verity a bit. Well, to be fair, we did skip a little bit so as not to go too long. Yeah. But there, what he said in between is about how 
Shrewd bought his loyalty and that Verity's simple act of trust was worth way more than anything Shrewd has done up until this point. Yeah. And I'm sure that tells Verity everything he needs to know. Although he says that he trusts him before this. Yeah. Like he's without hesitation says, yes, I trust you (laughs) when asked. So I don't know. Interesting. But yeah, fits. I mean, skilled there. Mm-hmm. Skilled those feelings out and projected them probably across the bond into Verity a bit. Which probably made him feel pretty good about deciding yeah. to trust him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he was thinking about powerful, positive emotions and connecting with another person. Mm-hmm. And that was able to let his guards down. Just like the beginning intro of this, how... You know, Galen's way of teaching did not help at all, and it Mm-mm. blunted a lot of what Fitz could do, put up walls probably around all of his coterie. And lulling those walls down, lulling you into an act of, you know, being open mm-hmm. lets you be able to skill pretty strongly. And obviously, <laughs> from Verity's reaction, it's like, wow, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You right, definitely so got the skill there, yeah. bud. <laughs> yeah. So they overlay their senses together. Verity is in Fitz's mind, and he can see himself in a mirror. Well, basically, like a mirror through Fitz's eyes. Except he's looking down, which is the worst angle, Verity, so don't worry. You probably don't look as bad as you think. Although I guess that's how Verity... That's Ver- actually like, like a better angle. Well, Fitz is looking down at Verity. Yeah, because Fitz is taller than Verity. But I'm saying, I don't think so. I think when you look down at an angle, it looks weird. Like, it's different than when you're looking eye to eye with a person. Sure, eye to eye, And I think it's, like, less flattering of an angle. But I don't know. I guess you look down at me all the time. (laughs) So maybe maybe it's not. (laughs) Well, I was just comparing it to looking up at somebody. I right. think that's a little bit less flattering. But. I don't know. I think neither are particularly <laughs> amazing. But I think, like, straight on as a mirror is a little bit better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Although it would be pretty cool to be able to see yourself in a 3D way instead of just a 2D mirror. That's true. So I don't know. So they are steadying themselves with this new experience here and fits his carefully walking out and down the steps slowly he likens it to carrying a full to the brim glass of wine and verity's like yeah it's similar to that except you know both this and holding that wine glass are easier if you don't think about it you just carry it and bring it so just don't think about it and it'll be easy so he goes down to the kitchens and eats a breakfast right you know, and is sitting there and not focusing on it and Fitz is like, okay, we could maybe do this. This is this is fine. And then he has a conversation with Cook about where he's going and and Cook's like asking him, you know, where are you going hunting or whatever? And Fitz is like, I'm gonna go scout for a boar for Winterfest. And Cook's like, for who? Erdy doesn't leave his rooms. Shrewd doesn't eat anything anymore. Regal could, I suppose, if it doesn't muss up his curls. And everyone is laughing and stuff about that. And Fitz is getting angry for Verity, who's in his head. And Verity's like, hey, quit it. It is kind of funny. 
Yeah. <laughs> Don't give us away. <laughs> I'm not going to make anybody get in trouble from this comment. It'll be as though I'm not here. Which would be like really interesting as a royal or like imagine you were a celebrity <laughs> and could ride along and witness some people's remarks about you in a different room. Ooh. I, I don't know like if I would find that funny or not. <laughs> I feel like the comment about Regal, like if it was also about my my family and it wasn't like super bad. Like I could find a little bit of amusement in it, but I don't know. I don't know if I would feel great knowing that they think I'm just lazy in a tower all day, <laughs> but it would be good to be like, yeah, Regal is. He's not great. <laughs> I don't know. He would mess up his hair. Fitz goes down to the stables, grabs Sooty. Birk kind of clears his throat after seeing the leathers and the tooled sheath and fine hilt of the sword, and then stood silent. Fitz remarks that he can't decide whether Birk actually remembers or that he that Fitz told him that he had assassin training or if Birk actually did forget like he said he did after he had that hit on the head in the Mountain Kingdom. Or maybe that this was Birk's way of keeping a secret a secret that you're guaranteeing that you can't talk about it even if both of you know. Mm-hmm. If Fitz thinks that maybe he doesn't know this secret. Yeah. So it's just that level of, you know, maybe Birk does, maybe he doesn't. What do you think? I don't know. I think he does know. I think maybe he doesn't remember fully Fitz explaining it to him. Maybe he does. I don't know. But I also could see, even if he didn't, did remember the whole thing, him just deciding to never talk about it again, because Birk doesn't really seem to like to talk about hard things. So (laughs) (laughs) I think he knows. I'm in the same position as you. I think he knows, but he doesn't recall it from Fitz's conversation with him. Mm-hmm. He just picked up on like hints and maybe like brief mentions or brief mm-hmm. flashes of the past. Or even just like subconsciously he remembers and so he's able to piece it together. Right. But I guess, I mean, it's not like he can tell him not to. It's the king's orders. So. Yeah. I don't know. Not much he can do, even if he does remember fully. Before we get into this full next section where Fitz is going out, I do want to give a word of warning to to you guys out there listening. Um, this part is basically lifted from a horror book. <laughs> um, it does get pretty gruesome, and Emma and I probably will skim over some of the details of the prose, but Robin Hobb is very visceral and uh as usual very descriptive in the things that she does right so just a warning um there is severe violence coming up ahead right and we'll try not to linger unnecessarily on any yeah thing but it will probably be touched on yes so that being said fitz is going about his errand he's hunting for the forged ones that night eyes had seen before yesterday and and told him about and showed him the location of and as he's taking sooty out of the stables he's kind of going around um thinking about this link with verity at the same time 
that Verdi is privy to his internal dialogue, basically. So he's trying to keep Night Eyes out of his mind. He's trying to keep Molly shoved aside. So none of that is in the forefront of what Verdi is seeing um, or reading from Fitz. Right. And on top of that, the further away from the castle Fitz gets, the harder it is to keep hold of Verity with him. He says it goes from the clasp on his arm to a grasping of two hands. Um, so it's something that he has to put more effort into maintaining as well. Which, you know, Verity hears the thought of and responds, just do, don't think. Which, super helpful. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Like, don't think about it. Just do it. Even breathing becomes a task if you pay attention to every breath. And Verity at this time is in his study just talking with Cherim. Yeah, which <laughs> basically. is crazy that he's able to, you know, give Fitz advice while at the same time holding a conversation. <laughs> he probably practiced with it. That's true. That's true. But he is, uh, Fitz is, feeling a little bit isolated because he's become accustomed to having night eyes there when he reaches out Mm -hmm. and Fitz is refraining from reaching out so he feels a little alone again and normally when he feels alone he would think about molly um but he can't do that because verity basically rebuked him and probably verity had not rebuked me well yeah he hadn't but probably thought that Fitz's actions were less than honorable so he doesn't want to think about her either in case that sparks conversation (laughs) and Um, Fitz thinks the same thing well he suspects that he would come to the same conclusion if he allowed himself time to think on what had happened with Molly the night previously right which in their minds it is an not honorable thing to do to force a woman to open a window and let you in there and then kind of stay doesn't know that that part happened i don't think (laughs) but fits if fits knew um or thought about it then verity would know yeah yeah and he lingered on it fits would be like yeah this wasn't honorable but also it's you know breaking his promise of staying away and all that sort of thing even though lacy kind of pushed him into it a bit well i don't think lacy's intention was to have him scale the side of the castle 100 percent, it wasn't but you know farseers Right. (laughs) So he realizes at this point that basically he's spending most of his energy thinking about not thinking and decides to try a new a new tactic. Mm -hmm. So he is going through and just kind of thinking about the day, kind of like mindfulness exercises. He's remarking on the temperature, what the scenery looks like, and that kind of helps, you know, ground him in thinking more about what he's doing and less about the things he shouldn't be thinking about in front of Verity. Yeah, and he's going through the countryside here, and Verity kind of catches on to this, that he's not specifically looking for tracks or anything, that you are seeking a specific place. You have definite information as to where the forged ones are. And Fitz kind of describes this, Mm -hmm. and Verity's like, who saw them? Where'd you get your information, basically? Fitz hesitates. A friend of mine. He is shy of most folk, but I have gained his confidence, and sometimes, when he sees odd things, he comes to tell me. Um, I could sense Verity's reservations as he considered my reticence. Well, I shall ask no more. Some secrets are necessary, I suppose. Quiet folk often know much. And he gives a little anecdote about this young girl that 
his mom knew mm-hmm. and would tell secrets and they caught a famous highwayman from that. Yeah. And then Verity changes subjects onto, man, I miss riding on a horse and just being outside for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has too many responsibilities now and he yeah. can't do it. But also, I think like he says that, but he could take time to do it. Mm-hmm. But also he doesn't want to because then he would just be thinking of scaling out the whole time. Right. Well, he wouldn't. I don't know. So. He, he definitely could ride still if he wanted to. Yeah. Or hunt could. with Leon. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would keep him from skilling so much. But I don't know. I don't know. But the pleasantry is cut short. There's a scream heard. And Fitz, without even thinking, uses his wit to determine where the scream is coming from. And interestingly, so he finds the source of the scream and he goes that direction. He casually brushes on night eyes to make sure he's around and then goes back to his brain like normal. And we don't hear a comment of it from chivalry at all. Verity. And Ver- <laughs> Sorry. We don't hear Verity comment on this at all. And we know that Verity is still with him until he sees the girl. Because mm-hmm, Verity so, says that later. Yeah. So I thought it interesting that he could use the wit undetected, although maybe it's not undetected. I don't think it's undetected. It's just there are bigger, <laughs> bigger issues going on. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think Verity feels the same thing that he did in the, in Verity's study. Right, where he again. asks, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this, like, he sees the reaction Fitz has to it. He, like, quests out, finds something, immediately turns towards that direction and, like, right. rushes off, so... I think he can put two and two together right. for things. Well, maybe not, though, if he doesn't know. Like, we don't know anything right. about the skill. I'm sure he doesn't know anything about the wit. So this could yeah. be any of the hedge magics as well. It could True. be yeah. anything. I don't know. Interesting thought that <laughs> they're also as clueless as we are to their magics. Mm-hmm. So but. he charges up this hill, and when he crests it, he sees three forged ones. Yes. And... In between them, getting pulled in between them, is a little girl, three years old. Mm-hmm. And Fitz just kind of shuts off and charges down at them. Right. And before, you know, before he can even get there, right when he sees him, mm-hmm. uh, she dies. Right. So she is no longer alive. And these Forge Ones are being cannibalistic. I'm sure they're hungry Mm -hmm. and saw her as small prey. Um, It says that they had tried to eat her before she had even died. Mm -hmm. So um, just a scary thing to accidentally fall upon. Yeah. Um, But he also notes that these three Forge Ones are... Um, different than the ones that he's come up on before. Uh, specifically, one seems to be very muscly. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's described as perhaps a smith, mm-hmm. which is later revealed that he was a smithy. But he just talks about how it's different than before because these forged ones have... It's more like an animal. It's yeah. because they have muscle to sustain them. They can attack yeah. living beings <laughs> and survive it. So... 
These were the three that Night Eyes had seen. Yes. And the ones that he did go out planning on killing. Mm-hmm. So he rides down and Night Eyes bursts out, immediately starts attacking one. Fitz kills one with his sword, but the sword's stuck in his spine, so he leaps off to go to the third one. Or, excuse me, to go to the, the one that Night Eyes had gone on um, and stab him with his knife to kill him because the one that Night Eyes had gone on also had a knife and was mm-hmm. trying to hurt Night Eyes. Right. And the third, the smith, had run away yep. with the body of the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so as he's fighting these two, it's pretty quick. He knows he hasn't fully killed the one, but knows that he is going to die so he leaves him to chase after the smithy and Night Eyes goes in front of him and is going really fast. And he remarks on how he wishes he had four legs to move on Yep. Um, because then he could get there faster. He also talks about how my mind was not working well. I swear that as I raced up that hillside, I somehow thought I could be in time to undo her death and bring her back to make it have never happened. It was an illogical drive that sped me on. So he's just not even thinking clearly. He's trying. He's in his mind thinking, I'm just going to save this girl. If I just do it fast enough, yeah, I can reverse her death, which is not the case. Um, yeah. And this this forged one had been smart and got on ahead, but had doubled back on a different path, so Night Eyes mm-hmm. didn't get it to him first. Right. Forge One had an element of surprise and dove on Fitz, pinned him to the ground and started choking him out. Yeah. And he is being attacked by Night Eyes and kind of just hunches his shoulders. Fitz can tell that he's thinking, I'm successfully choking this one. I can deal with the wolf later. Mm-hmm. Um, and Night Eyes switched tactics to a more um, fierce <laughs> battle. And also Fitz is able to get a very small breath. So the, the Smith just tries to snap his neck instead. Right. Um, Which it talks about how his old wound and others have opened. Yeah. Um, so it's just blood everywhere. There's, <laughs> it yeah. is a gruesome scene. And night eyes, the change tactics, um, basically starts scraping away at his head. Yes. Instead of being able to get his jaws around the whole thing and end it quickly, he just has to go through the war of attrition and blood is everywhere, basically. Mm -hmm. And it even says at one point, the pain must have been incredible, but he did not release me. Mm -hmm. Because Fitz has been stabbing his legs and side this whole time to no avail. It's not, he's not flinching. There's not, this isn't a a human at this point because he's been forged. So we're really seeing what that means. Mm -hmm. There's no, he roars with anger. Right. With, and and increase the pressure of choking Fitz earlier when he stabbed him in the thighs, but there's no real relenting. Yeah. Which begs the question of, can they feel pain Or is pain an emotion? So it's there and on some level, on like a survival level, but it's not. We've had discussions about this before. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe a few times. And I think I always go back to, I feel like the forged ones remember what should hurt them and what should pain them. Yeah. And 
whether or not they have time to think on what those feelings should be, they like react, but they're not actually in pain. Just like the the previous guy um, that you mentioned, Fitz left to die because he was going to die eventually. It says, the man fought like a maddened bear, snapping and stabbing at us even after I had opened up his belly. His entrails hung over his belt, and still he came stumbling after us. I could not even take time for the horror I felt. Knowing he would die, I left him, and we plunged on after the one who had fled. So, like, they keep going. They might know that this should hurt, this will kill me eventually, but it doesn't matter to them. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's terrifying. So... Eventually, Fitz is successful. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. And night eyes. <laughs> yes. And Fitz tries to wipe his hands um, to clean them. Um, and it says, but nothing could ever cleanse them. So we kind of see a little bit of his just horror at what had happened. Yeah. Um. This was a gruesome fight. He says at one point that he thinks that the death fury of some legends might have come over him to keep himself alive and that that's how he survived. It's just, it seems as though the fury that he felt to at staying, needing to stay alive was just a lot and yeah. uncomfortable to sit with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he, he also knows that he wouldn't be alive without night eyes there. Right. If it was just him, he wouldn't still be alive. Then he sees the girl. When he sees her, he says, I think that's when I realized I was too late. And it had been too late from the instant I had spotted them. And he weeps uncontrollably in this moment. He holds holds the girl Mm -hmm. and is just... Crying so, and he's having such a powerful emotion in this moment, he even shuts Night Eyes out without really knowing it. Yeah, and he can't bring himself to open it, open that back up to even Night Eyes. Um, he's just really suffering from this, which I find interesting. Not, I'm not trying to be heartless because I understand that this is horrible and such a horrible scene to come upon, let alone battle through, but I just found it. You know, I was wondering about why he has such a strong reaction to this child. Does this make it real to him, the people that he's helping? Because earlier in the chapter, we see him say, you know, that all these people of the duchy, they're like fine gems. And that I can see why Verity does what he does. It's for the people. It's not about the maps. It's the people within the maps. And so I wonder if seeing this person that he couldn't help makes him really think about everything else i don't know i it's just such a strong reaction and it's a very sad moment yeah night eyes runs off when they hear hoof beats and fitz kind of gets to his feet and holds the, the baby still the girl and he sees Eric, Verity, Blade, half a dozen others, plus a woman. And she rushes on ahead and runs to Fitz, but 
obviously realizes something's wrong. He remembers her scream. Mm-hmm. Even later, because uh, it cuts to sitting back at the keep where a healer is and Birik are dressing Fitz's wounds. Yeah. Well, it says that her grief broke over him like a wave, sweeping my walls away and carrying me under with her. Because he is witted. He yeah. can feel. And I'm sure he's already feeling that emotion, so it wouldn't be that hard for someone. And losing a child must be an insurmountable amount of grief. So, of mm-hmm. course, that's going to be hard to step back from anyway. He's basically in shock here. Yeah. Because, I mean, the next scene here where he's getting cleaned up, he's just kind of sitting in silence, mm-hmm. letting things happen around him. And it's been hours. Mm-hmm. Hours later, sitting in Verity's study, I could still hear it. I vibrated to the sound, long shudders that ran over me uncontrollably. Birk is dressing his wounds, uh, points out, you know, the one on the arm and the one on the shoulder that are not new. Mm-hmm. And the healer is there making a medicinal tea to, for pain and to help him sleep. And, you know, this is where we learn that the smith was actually a smith. Birk mm-hmm. had seen him before and talked to him briefly a couple times because... He had brought, you know, fancy silver work for harnesses. And Fitz is feeling guilty for not being more injured than he is. Mm-hmm. Other than a lot of bruises and sore muscles, I'd escaped with mostly scratches and scrapes and one huge lump on my forehead. I was somehow ashamed that I hadn't been hurt. The g- little girl had died. I should have at least been injured. I don't know why that thought made sense to me. A little bit of survivor's guilt. Yeah. And just, yeah, going through a traumatic event. Verity steps in and says that the woman's husband is with her now. Mm-hmm. She had stepped out to get water from a well or stream or something. The stream. And when she and the child was on the doorstep. And when she came back, the child was gone. Mm-hmm. And he dismisses the, uh, the healer. Yes. Who... For a touch of lightness in this darkness, um, hands a mug of tea to Burek or to Fitz before Burek takes it and sa- sniffs it and then says, I would have used less Valyrian. <laughs> so clearly Burek has been kind of talking down to this healer the whole time. But not even meaning to. <laughs> like, no, cause, no. Because <laughs> when he dismisses the, the when Verdi dismisses the healer, the healer's like, I haven't even looked at. He's fine. Beer had run a length of bandaging across my chest and under my opposite arm and up again in an effort to keep the dressing in place on top of my neck. I tried to find something amusing in the irritated look the healer gave Birik before he left. Birik didn't even notice it. <laughs> I'm sure Birik was being a little unnecessarily harsh. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he has concerns, too. Right. And it's his son, <laughs> yeah. practically, that is hurt and... I'm sure he thinks, well, I've taken care of all of Fitz's wounds before. I'm great at it. <laughs> right. So a little bit of lightness, but Burek is still being protective over Fitz and making snide, rude comments to a professional. <laughs> <laughs> and Fitz again tries to take a sip from the mug after the healer leaves, but 
Birk takes it from him and is like, no, after you finish, there's enough in here to drop you in your tracks. Mm. So he dumps half of it out and then dilutes it with more water. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta fix the problem. But he stays. Yeah, he stays. Yeah. And Verity prompts the conversation now. Mm -hmm. I saw the child with you, saw them fighting over her. Then you were suddenly gone. We lost our joining and I couldn't find you again, not even with all my strength. I knew you were in trouble and set out to reach you as soon as I could. I'm sorry I wasn't faster. I longed to open myself up and tell Verity everything, but it might be too revealing. To possess a prince's secrets does not give one the right to divulge them. I glanced at Birik. He was studying the wall. I spoke formally. Thank you, my prince. You could not have come faster, and even if you had, it would have been too late. She died at almost the same instant I saw her. Verdi looked down at his hands. I knew that. Knew it better than you did. My concern was for you. The most distinctive part of your fighting style is the incredible way you have of surviving it. From the corner of my eye, I saw Burek shift, open his mouth to speak, then close it again. Cold dread uncoiled in me. He had seen the bodies of the Forged Ones, seen the tracks. He knew I hadn't fought alone against them. And we find out later that it's not really the wit that Beric is fully concerned with at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he is concerned with it. Right. But it's more so that Verity has to remark on, you know, the... The remarkable part is that you're surviving all your fights, and Birik's like, excuse me. (laughs) Surviving? (laughs) Barely. And also, in this moment, Fitz has someone who he's related to by blood, um, but also who he has a close relationship with just a familial bond, and who is saying, I'm sorry that I couldn't help you. And his first thought is, oh, he clearly means that he's sorry he couldn't save the little girl. It can't be about me. Right. Because why would he concern himself with my safety? And it's really sad that in this, even in this moment, he can't realize that people do care about him. Even if they're not very good at showing it, it's just sad that he thinks that's the only thing Verity would be worried about. Not that Verity doesn't probably wish he could have saved that girl too. But I, like he says, he knew better than Fitz that she wasn't going to make it. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. It's just really sad that Fitz can't see his worth, even in his loved ones. So Fitz goes back to um, apologizing to Verity because he's lost in thought about, oh my gosh, Birk is going to reveal the wit and... Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose him and Verity because the wit is reviled and I'll be shunned or whatever. And he apologizes to Verity and Verity's like, you don't have to my prince around me or with Beric. He and I know each other well enough. He did not my prince, my brother, at moments like this. Recall that he was king's man to my brother. Chivalry drew on his strength and oft times not gently. I am sure Beric knows that I've used you likewise and knows also that I rode with your eyes today, at least as far as the top of that ridge. I looked to Birik, who nodded slowly. Neither of us was certain why he was being included here. And he goes on, Verity goes on to explain that 
you went into a battle frenzy and that's why I lost touch. Mm-hmm. If I'm to use you on the ships like I want to, that can't happen again. And the only way to do that is to train you. Yeah. And is to practice with this. So Beric, chivalry once told me that in a tight spot, you were better with an axe than a sword. Beric looked startled. Plainly, he had not expected Verdi to know this about him. He nodded again, slowly. He used to mock me about it, said it was a brawler's tool, not a gentleman's weapon. <laughs> so he's going to teach Fitz. Yeah. Not willingly, necessarily, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Verdi's idea or plan here is to tie the two things together. Practice mm-hmm. with, a, with an axe or a weapon, mm-hmm. fighting, while also having Verdi ride along. And having Beric teach him <laughs> when he says, and if you are teaching him, then it, he'll not be too distracted about keeping my presence a secret. Can you do it? Beric could not completely disguise the dismay that crept over him. I can, my prince. <laughs> so Verity's plan is to have them practice in the open so, you know, no confusion arises or Fitz isn't fully distracted by trying to keep Verity a secret and trying to learn a new weapon and mm-hmm. trying to hold tight to this connection. Right. This whole thing. And also, he says that Hod doesn't teach acts wielding as a general rule um that she definitely could if asked but that it's probably just better to use Burek. yeah so which is also interesting um i don't know if i really thought about this the first time through but that means that fitz is probably the only one on the battlefield wielding a axe yeah i mean it's it's right in that comment that Burek made Chivalry used to mock me about it, said it was a brawler's tool, not a gentleman's weapon. So that's probably why Hod doesn't. Like, this is too messy. Like, use the sword. It's better. It's just more proper. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's a weird way to think about it. I know. It truly is. Maybe because there's more elegance to sword fighting. I mean, not in battle by any means, because you're just trying to stay alive. Um, It's not as pretty i'm sure as movies make it seem i've never been in a sword battle but i just assume (laughs) (laughs) they're also not as big as an axe can be right maybe or you know just like yeah it's probably not as safe i mean honestly (laughs) if between an axe and a sword at least with a sword you can hold people off a sword's length Whereas with axe, you kind of got to get in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, true. I guess you can hold just the hilt. That'd like, be pretty near heavy, the bottom. Though. Yeah. It's not I very feel balanced. it's a, a double handed tool that you're like going in with. <laughs> and maybe that's also why Hod usually just trains with the sword, that it requires a certain physique right. in order to train with an axe and a sword, especially if a lot of your guard is um, comprised of men and women Mm -hmm. it's easier to teach them one weapon across everyone who all of them can wield right rather than just finding out the strongest of both groups and like oh maybe you can wield an axe right it it wouldn't work for every recruit probably although now i kind of want to learn how to wield an axe (laughs) i just feel like i'd be good at it i got the germanic build i like i'm short and squat and i could get muscly that'd be oh I don't know. I feel like I'd be good at that. I don't ever want to kill anybody or go into battle, but like. We'll fall, find you a sparring partner and just, <laughs> it's not going to be me, but. You well, can, no, you're, you're you definitely a, a sword person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Give me a bow and arrow. Let me let me let me back way far away from everything. <laughs> give me give me guard duty back at the keep instead of the battle. Fair. I don't know that I'd love to be in battle. <laughs> <laughs> so Verity kind of gets uh, a promise out of Beric that they all start very soon uh, tomorrow morning, and that he can pass some of his duties over to Hands as well. Because Hans seems like a very capable man. He is, Beric agreed, guardedly. Another tidbit of information that Verity had at his fingertips. So he's really surprising Beric here with how much he knows and just kind of like letting out like, yeah, I know more about your life than you think I do. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure it's because he skills all the time. Oh, it is. Yeah. um, But also probably gets reports from Chade. Also that. But it's just interesting that. I don't know. Somebody who is so close to the king in waiting's brother is surprised that the brother knows anything at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that that specific thing is like, well, that's more you new. don't you yeah. don't know how Hans is coming along in your studies if you're just tangentially aware of like, yeah, I know Beric. Beric's a good guy. Yeah. He has some sort of helper, but like you know that the helper is doing that's good and fair. he's capable and can take on extra duties. It's a little bit more in depth. Maybe Beric is feeling guilty because he's been slacking in his father duties and this means that he's been being watched, <laughs> which he didn't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't feel guilty. Uh, it's Beric. He probably feels guilty. That's fair. <laughs> but Beric does have something to say. Yeah. Um, uh, Verity ends this with, does anyone have any difficulties with any of this? I saw the question as a polite closing. Sir, Beric asked. His deep voice had gone very soft and uncertain. If I may, I have... I do not intend to question my prince's judgment, but... I held my breath. Here it came, the wit. Speak it out, Beric. I thought I had made it clear that my princing was to be suspended here. What worries you? Beric stood up straight and met the king-in-waiting's eyes. Is this fitting? Bastard or no, he is chivalry's son. What I saw up there today. Once started, the words spilled out of Beric. He was fighting to keep anger from his voice. You sent him. He went into a slaughterhouse situation alone. Most any other boy of his age would be dead now. I try not to pry into what is not my area. I know there are many ways to serve my king, and that some are not as pretty as others, but up in the mountains, and then what I saw today, could you not find someone besides your brother's child for this? I glanced back to Verity. For the first time in my life, I saw full anger on his face, not expressed in a sneer or a frown, but simply as two hot sparks deep in his eyes. The line of his lip was flat. Neither of them are happy about this. No, yeah. Birk is obviously very concerned for Fitz because he considers Fitz chivalry like a son, Mm -hmm. his responsibility at the very least, to raise him properly, and he sees him sent over and over again into situations where he could die easily. Yeah. And he's tired of seeing him hurt. Right. Well, he brings up a very good point that normal boys his age would have died. 
And he very easily could have been a normal boy his age that would have died. Mm-hmm. And he's it's interesting because Burek is such a follow the rules kind of person um, to see him stand up to Verity and say, hey, this isn't right. He's your he's related to you. He's your nephew, your brother's son, and you're sending him out to be almost killed every time. So could you not? <laughs> <laughs> and Verity is angry here, probably for a couple reasons. One, because his judgment is being questioned of to whether this is necessary or not. Mm-hmm. But two, he doesn't like the situation at all, really, either. Yeah. And he kind of remarks on that a little bit later. I feel like this is an anger of when you know you did something wrong, but there wasn't really any other choice and the person is acting like they know the situation better. Yeah. And so you're like defensive because on the inside, you know, this is wrong, but also what else can I do? And so it feels like one of those defensive angers, but also probably just thinking about how he's being accused of letting Fitz go unattended into Mm -hmm. dangerous situations, which isn't necessarily true, but it is. Yeah. And I don't know. He didn't, neither of them knew it would end like this today, but it was still a choice he made to send a 15 year old boy. Yeah. After unknown forged ones, (laughs) which they didn't know how strong they would be, but still, I don't know. Look again, Burek. That's no child sitting there. And think again, I did not send him alone. I went with him into a situation that we expected to be a stalk and a hunt, not a direct confrontation. It didn't turn out that way. But he survived it, as he survived similar things before, and likely will again. Stood suddenly, the whole air of the room was abruptly charged to my senses, boiling with emotion. Even Birik seemed to feel it, for he gave me a glance, then forced himself to stand still, like a soldier at attention, while Verity stalked about the room. No, this isn't what I would choose for him. This isn't what I would choose for myself. Would that he had been born in better times. Would that he had been born in a marriage bed and my brother still upon the throne. But I was not given that situation, nor was he. Nor you. And so he serves as I do. Damn me, but Ketrickin had it right all along. The king is the sacrifice of the people, and so is his nephew. That was carnage up there today. I know of what you speak. I saw Blade go aside to puke after he saw that body. I saw him walk well clear of Fitz. I know not how the boy, this man, survived it. By doing whatever he had to, I suppose. So what can I do, man? What can I do? I need him. I need him for this ugly, secret battling, for he is the only one equipped and trained to do it. Just as my father sets me in that tower and bids me burn my mind out with sneaking, filthy killing. Whatever Fitz must do, whatever skills he must call upon. My heart stood still. My breath was ice in my lungs. Because he's thinking about the wit. Mm -hmm. Then let him use it. Because that is what we are about now. Survival. Because they are my people. I did not realize I had spoken until they both swung to stare at me. Sudden silence in the room. So Verity is pretty upset. He's been mad this whole time. He's been frustrated throughout the whole war. He doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. He doesn't want to send his people out 
to do the dirty work for him. He doesn't want any harm to come to his people. We've seen that. We've seen that attitude come from Verity and seep into Fitz that his people are getting hurt and he doesn't want any of this to happen. Why would this happen? Right. And when he sees somebody he likes or loves go into those situations, he doesn't have any other options, but he hates it too. Mm -hmm. This rant from Verity really reminds me of the way Fitz thinks. It goes from being about someone else's safety to the things that he has to bear, which is not to say that he's being selfish in this moment or making it all about him, but he does turn it into kind of like, I'm also stuck in this role and I can't do what I want to do. And it would be better if I didn't have this role at all. And I wonder if this is kind of where Fitz learned the behavior from Maybe of like, I hate, the things that I'm forced to do because of my station. So therefore, if I didn't have my station, I wouldn't have to worry about it, which kind of feels like what Verity thinks. But I don't think that's a very realistic way to look at a problem because let's say chivalry is alive. Verity's still in this mess. He's still going to be a commander. Yeah. He'd probably have to take turns skilling in the window with chivalry. It wouldn't. I don't know. I just think the, that this specifically just struck me as very reminiscent of Fitz's rants when he gets into a mood where it just feels like things would be better if I didn't have to deal with it. Right. And I don't know. I think it's not necessarily all of the things would be better or like the world would be better. Right. But in Verity's mind, he would be at peace with himself mm-hmm. because he wouldn't have to make the decisions to send Fitz into the wild to do this. Right. That would be somebody else's job. Yeah. And he'd probably still get sent. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want the guilt on his mind, which is fair. Right. I mean, he doesn't Definitely. want to make those hard choices. That wasn't what he was raised to do, and that doesn't that's not what he wants to do. Yeah. Fitz is coming to that realization, the full realization that they're his people too, that these people, that he is doing these things because he loves the six duchies people as well. He says, they killed my child today, Beric, and my smith, and two other men, not the forged ones, the red ship raiders, and I must have their blood in return. I must drive them from my coast. It is simple now as eating or breathing it is a thing I must do. Their eyes met over my head. Blood will tell, Verity observed quietly, but there was a fierceness in his voice and a pride that stilled the day-long trembling of my body. A deep calm rose in me. I had done the right thing today. Fitz had spoken a little bit before that about how Chade had told them, had told him once upon a time that eventually he would understand something the six duchies were his people and that it was in his blood to care for them. And Fitz found that was correct, that he was right. Yeah. I do want to again, again, point out that I think to me personally, in my opinion, this is kind of abrupt. This is a very big 180 from what he was feeling before of 
It's just the six duchies and I can walk away from it. It doesn't matter what happens to them as long as I'm free. And now we're seeing this fierce loyalty and again, I'll say patriotism towards his country and saying like, I need to protect them. It's my duty as a farseer. And I just think it's really interesting. And I wonder if it's organic necessarily or if it's a thing that he's thinking to cope with what just happened yeah. of oh it's okay because I'm a farseer and and I just need to help the people you know I don't know which it that's not to say that anything that he's doing is necessarily bad or that it's wrong that he thinks that the six that G's people are important to him. I'm glad <laughs> that he as someone who could potentially be a ruler feels that way about his people. It just feels to me kind of like this chapter came out of nowhere with that feeling because it doesn't feel like we have a ton of hints about him feeling this way leading up to this chapter. Yeah. It's kind of wrapping up here where Fitz turns to Birik and Birik's giving him an appraising look. He was looking at me with that considering gaze usually reserved for when the runt of a litter showed unusual pro- promise. Which I thought was a little funny. Mm-hmm. But he agrees to teach him. And he tells Fitz to wash up and we are again reminded where this scene is in context of. Because at the end it says, The scented water in Verity's basin was dark with the Smith's blood when I was through. They've come from a very gruesome scene and from a very harrowing experience, but it ends with a note of, We're going to get through this and do everything that we can to fix this issue. So the chapter kind of ends on a hopeful note almost. I don't really want to say it, this chapter is not positive in any way, but it kind of ends with the potential right. for it to change for well, the better. Well, there's a little bit of positivity in the beginning in knowing yeah, that true. if Verity makes it to king kingship, <laughs> Fitz right. will be allowed to marry whoever he wants. So, I mean, can we say it's positivity if we if we've all read the series before? <laughs> Fair. You know? Well, I mean, if we're taking this chapter as a whole and only looking at this chapter, I think it's fair to call it a positive note in this chapter. Um, knowing what we know <laughs> is a different story. <laughs> it doesn't make it less positive. It means that Verity was a good person. Right. Thanks so much for listening. We enjoy uh, hearing from you guys. So yeah. please reach out on social media, is Fitz Happy, or email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com. Let us know if any of your opinions differ from ours. Um, we are by no means right 100% of the time, although I'd like to think a small percentage of the time we are. So, <laughs> but we'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on the matters too. Okay, so now we're going to lighten the mood a little bit and talk about some stuff that you guys sent in. Yeah. Well, first of all, hopefully everyone had a happy holiday. Yes. Whatever Um, holiday you celebrate. Yeah. 
I hope it was good. Um, I ate safe. so much food. Yes, we ate lots of food. But yeah, we hope you guys um, made the best of the situation. This year was a weird one, so yeah, we won't talk about the big C here. But <laughs> without further ado, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll start with an Instagram message we received from Aunt the Peckish Chef. Um, this is more of a general thing about the books, not necessarily about any specific chapter. Um, but they wrote in to say that they find it a little funny that a literal plot line in the story also kind of serves as the overall theme of the story if viewed from the villain's perspective. So chivalry is dead. (laughs) It's always being discussed by the characters. Mm -hmm. The man chivalry has died, but so has... Chivalry. chivalry. Yeah, the, <laughs> I don't, it's not the, the action, <laughs> the, ju, but just chivalry in general has died. Um, and we see that with the increase of wars, with regals pitting witted people against each other. Ideology? Yes. I guess of chivalry's chivalry. a ideology. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I don't, but yeah, so it was just a very funny comment that um, it's both a theme and a plot line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that chivalry is dead. <laughs> Um, we see you, Robin Hobb. <laughs> very clever way. The whole reason that she chose to give yes. people names that were words. The whole reason, for sure. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> so thank you, Aunt. Um, we also got a really interesting email. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was from Grace. I want to say thank you, Grace. They are a doctor. So they let us know that it is not that weird for a mother and a child to die of fever. And this is specifically talking about Shrewd's first wife, Queen Constance, how she died in childbirth or shortly after, well, shortly after childbirth with what was going to be Chivalry and Verity's sister. Yes. So we got to learn and we're going to share with you. (laughs) (laughs) The more you know. um, That a, a certain proportion of us being humans, <laughs> uh, carry a bacteria in the birth canal that can infect the baby during birth. And it's also quite common for parts of the placenta to be left behind in the womb and become infected after birth, if not fully removed. Nowadays, most women are tested for the former during pregnancy, and if positive, are given antibiotics during labor, which is why you don't hear about it, except for the rare, sad cases where people decline antibiotics. But modern medicine has basically taken care of this. Yeah. And it is a real thing. So maybe I'm just being too harsh. And she was not poisoned. It was just a very sad. Um, sad occasion. Yeah. Sad thing that happened. Yeah. Thank you for telling us about that. It's, yeah. um, it's awesome to know that there's an actual, you know, reason and historical scientific fact behind yeah. the plot device in a fantasy book. Yeah. I, I love seeing those connections of like what the author must have researched or known. Yeah. It's, just it's going cool. in. It's very cool. And yeah. also cool that we have a doctor that listens to us though. So <laughs> thank you for everything that you're doing currently. Yeah. Any other doctors listening? Thank you as well. Yes. Doctors, nurses, anyone. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. And lastly, we had one thing on Facebook. Um, <laughs> we got Rickrolled. 
so yes. thank you thank you so much for sending that <laughs> playlist in of just a bunch of different uh never gonna give you ups in different forms mm-hmm. a couple karaoke versions there is a bardcore version which if you haven't looked up bardcore it's very interesting uh <laughs> genre of music where they take modern ish or well-known hits and turn it into like medieval music <laughs> it's cool so Thank you for that laugh. We we got a kick out of that one. It was super good. <laughs> I am personally a huge fan of Rick Rolling. Honestly, it's a great song. So It is a great song. It's super good. But also, I just think in general, it's funny. I never grew out of the phase that everyone else did <laughs> of stopping Rick Rolling. I don't know. <laughs> I still find whenever I see those pranks done to people, I still find them very funny. So I very much appreciated being Rick Rolled. <laughs> All right, everyone, stay safe out there with the worsening weather. I know we have some listeners in Australia, and it's pretty much getting into summer there. So enjoy your nice weather <laughs> while it is getting freezing. You're on the other freezing. side of the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's we getting... are currently in a blizzard, so. <laughs> <laughs> stay safe out there, stay warm or stay cool, depending on your weather. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.